Shaloma. You're listening to Watered Womanhood, the podcast for women walking in the truth of who Yahuwah the Most High says we are, where we uncover what it means to be His bride. I'm Rabbi Shah Aloha Lani, founder of the Hebrew Housewife, a set-apart homemaking block for the daughters of Israel. I've been studying the Word all my life and ministering to Israelite sisters since 2019 by the grace of Abinawa with original homemaking tips, biblical marital advisory, and truth-based devotionals. Join me in building up the kingdom at Watered Womanhood on Instagram, thehebrewhousewife.com, and right here as we fellowship in spirit and in truth. Welcome back to the Water Womanhood podcast. Please don't come for my edges. I know that I have not been showing up like I'm supposed to be, like you're expecting me to be, and like I said that I would be, but I am here now. I do want to let you know, because you're my sister, because this is the Femininity and Vulnerability Podcast, so I'm going to be very vulnerable with you right now. We have been going through a lot these past days, these past couple weeks. Um, financially. And, you know, my life is not perfect. I'm going to tell you that right now. And it's it's just to the point where um, I have been freelancing on the side for a few days now um, so that we can just be in a good place, you know, be in a stable place. Um, And I just want to thank you, first of all, for all of your prayers, every single one of your prayers. You guys, you, you just really just don't know how much it means to me. And, um, you know, if you have a prayer request, please do submit them. If I sound a little crazy or freaked out right now, it's because I am. I just recorded about a good 15 minutes of this episode only to realize that I wasn't using the right microphone. And when I started playing it back, I'm like, God, why does it sound so awful? And so instead of being hooked up to my actual studio quality microphone, what you're hearing right now, I was actually recording on like a headphone mic, which was just, it was just terrible. But (laughs) we're here now. And, you know, speaking of the things that I've been going through lately, which is what today's episode is kind of going to be about. You know, how we treat our husbands and just people in general when we don't feel like they're performing, when we don't think that they are where they should be or that they're not doing what they should be, whether it's because they're choosing that or whether they're just facing obstacles in their lives. Because the Most High is very clear in his ordinances, not just for us as wives and women, but for us as children of him and um, citizens of the kingdom and inheritors of the promise that we should be offering mercy. He desires mercy and not sacrifice. And, you know, I'm a little frustrated because I had all these great unscripted points in (laughs) the last 15 minutes that I recorded with the crappy audio quality, but hallelujah. The Holy Spirit is with us. I'm so thankful to be here. Um, You know, what I've been going through is definitely been challenging me to just stand in the mirror and put my hands around my throat, (laughs) around my throat's reflection or my reflection's throat, sorry, and just be like, girl, get it together. You can do this. Just get it together. Stop acting stupid. You can do it. You better get it together. (laughs) 
Um, you know, because whether or not you have an incentive to respect or honor or love your husband, be, whether that's because he's not doing what he's supposed to do or he can do whatever it is that you need him to do. I think that my eternal soul is enough of a bargaining chip for me to be like, you know, I'm going to do the right thing anyway. I'm going to do what I have to do anyways. And it's really a reckoning that we as society um, in our community, right? In the Israelite community, especially between the sexes, we base the love and respect that we have for one another on performance, you know, and this is transactional, conditional, contingent type of quote unquote love that we see these days that's costing marriages, that's costing friendships, that's costing eternal souls. Um, and we don't want to fall into that trap. And so today I am designating this episode to help you understand and even help myself, child, I'm telling you, this podcast is for me also. So to help us <laughs> understand how we can continue to love and honor our husbands in their vulnerabilities, but also how we can maintain our own um, femininity when we feel in a misunderstood space, right? We're in a space of misunderstanding and a space of discomfort, right? We're going to be working through our discomfort in marriage and in the world in general. It's very easy. And when I say easy, I mean that it's easy to love your husband and respect your husband when you feel like he's doing a good job, when you feel like he's fulfilling his vows, when you feel like he's being a good husband. But what about when he's not? And I've touched on this on the Hebrew Housewife blog a couple times already, but I'm saying it here again. We must be mindful of how we treat our men when they're down because that is the true show of your character, especially as a woman, how, how willing you are to discard or dispose or disrespect your man when you're not getting what you want or need out of him or, or he may not be doing what you think a man or a husband should be doing for you. Proverbs chapter 19, verse 14 says, House and riches are the inheritance of fathers, and a prudent wife is from Yahuwah. A prudent wife is from Yahuwah. This verse here is drawing a contrast between the provision of parents and the provision of our Heavenly Father for a man. He can inherit a house. He can inherit stocks and bonds. His parents can even arrange a marriage for him. But they don't have the power <laughs> or the divine provision to give him a prudent wife. And when we take a deeper look at the biblical Hebrew from which the King James Version is originally translated, the word prudent in this verse is Strong's number H7919, Sokhal. Sokhal. And the word is used in verses where it is translated as understand, 
wise, prosper, consider, instruct, prudent, and teach. The definitions include to be prudent, be circumspect, to wisely understand, to prosper, to look at or upon and have insight, to give attention to, to consider or to ponder, to have comprehension, to cause to consider, to teach, to act circumspectly or to act prudently, to prosper and to have success. Are you being that wife? Is that you? You know, and I know, that your husband is imperfect. And he may be going through something deep or dark during this time. In a similar manner that you have gone through deep and dark moments. Or you may be going through them as we speak. And I don't even just want to apply this to your marriage. I want this to apply to your relationship with all of Yahuwah's creation, period. You know, animals, <laughs> nature, the economy, and other people. Everybody and everything experiences up and downs. There's a time and a place for everything under the sun. And life comes to us in seasons. This is not something that we can deny. But a year from now, when the weather is different, when the economy is better, when your children got their head on straight or when your husband has corrected his wrongs and you have made amends and you have forgiven who you need to forgive and you're having a conversation with someone reflecting on the past, do you want them to say, yes, I was wrong, I made mistakes, but you didn't have to treat me like that. You didn't have to speak to me like that. You didn't have to turn your back on me. Or do you want them to glorify the most high as they reflect on how you treated them when they were low? Do you want them to say, I made a lot of mistakes. I did a lot of bad things. I was in a really dark place and you were really there for me. You had a lot of patience towards me. You were very kind and you were very gentle. Um, you prayed with me. You prayed for me. And I knew that I could depend on you. And I'm indebted to you. And I know that the Most High loves me because of how he showed up for me through you. That can only come from the Most High. This type of wisdom, this type of prudence, this type of insight, this type of comprehension, this patience, kindness, and mercy comes from above. Every good gift is from the giver of good gifts who reigns above. And if we want to share that, and as well as partaking it, we need to be willing to get our cups filled by him daily. Now, back to, you know, marriage, because this is the most sacred union and the most sacred, um, you know, relationship that you'll ever have in your life. And I truly mean that. And I hope that you 
realize that and take the time to internalize that. You need to be very mindful of how you look at your husband when he's being vulnerable or having vulnerabilities, how you speak to him, how you act towards him, and what you're saying and doing about him when he's not around. Because he's going to feel these things. He's going to internalize these things. And he's not going to forget these things. Sure, he may forgive you. But affection is love for women. For men, it's a little different. Respect is love to them. And this is why, at least in my experience, talking to plenty of wives over the past couple of years, Wives who love their husbands, they make love to their husbands, they dress up for their husbands, they take care of the children, they take care of the home, they be sewing their husband's clothes and his drawers, they do so much for their husbands, and praise the most high for those types of proverbial wives, and yet their husbands a lot of the time still have a problem. And I find that the issue is not that You're not loving him the way that you believe he should be loved. You are loving him very well. You're performing well, rather. But the respect is not there. Maybe there's haughtiness or you always have something to say or maybe you complain a lot or perhaps the modesty is lacking even though It's evident that you love him and you're affectionate towards him and you want to be intimate with him. To a man, if there's no respect, if there's no honor, that's vanity. It's just plain and simple. And you know, it's the same with the Most High. We can do all these things in service to the Most High, wear our fringes, wear our head wraps, Celebrate the high holy days and give charity and do all these things. But if you really don't have the fear of the Lord in your heart that reflects through your speech, through your mannerisms, and in the very tiny ways that you treat the people and things around you, is vanity. And he makes that very clear. We're going to jump to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 13. If I could speak all the languages of earth and of angels, but didn't love others, I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I had the gift of prophecy, and if I understood all of Yahuwah's secret plans and possessed all knowledge, and if I had such faith that I could move mountains, but didn't love others, I would be nothing. If I gave everything I have to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it, but if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. Moving to verse four, where the author of this passage is very clear on what it really means to love. Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. Love does not demand its own way. Love is not irritable and it keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful, and endures through every circumstance. Verse 8, prophecy and speaking in unknown languages and special knowledge 
will become useless, but love will last forever. Verse 7 shows us clearly that the type of love that we should be sharing, the only real love that there is, truly, is a love that doesn't give up, that doesn't lose faith, that always hopes for good and for truth and triumph and justice and endures through every circumstance. And I really want to highlight this last part, endures through every circumstance. This might be a little controversial in 2022 of the Gregorian calendar, but love is unconditional. That's it, period. So repeat after me, through every circumstance. One more time, through every circumstance. One last time. Yes, I know you're saying, oh, Sister Asha. No, one more time. Through every circumstance. We need to get this through our head. Because whether high or low or near or far, in the city or in the field, the love that we have, it should not run dry if it's real love. And this is easier said than done. However, Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 says, Do not lean into your own understanding. Trust him with all your heart. Look to him and he will guide your path. We need to be willing to stop, to take a breath, to pause, and to ask the Holy Spirit to be with us, to soothe us and comfort us. First of all, because it's the discomfort and the fear that often makes us weary of even turning to the Most High in the first place. And the Holy Spirit is a comforter. The Most High has left his comforter with us, is what he says. Who is able to make intercession for us and to weep in a language that we don't even comprehend. And at any given time, and I do mean any given time, You can ask the Holy Spirit to do that, to comfort you, to weep for you, and to pray for you unto Yahuwah when the words fail you or when you're overwhelmed. If we're only being soft and feminine and vulnerable and lovely and beautiful and just virtuous and joyful, when we're getting our way or we're in an environment (laughs) where it's conducive, then those things aren't really thorough, right? Those actions and those behaviors aren't really even a part of us. If we take them off and put them on where it's convenient, then they're just adornments. But love is not an adornment. And we need to love ourselves, love our Heavenly Father, And love his people, not with an adornment or a vain love, but with righteousness, truth, and most importantly, mercy, real true mercy. And when you are being merciful in your marriage, while you are um, going through something with your husband, 
it's going to reflect in your honor and respect for him. Whether your husband has committed adultery, whether he's been laid off, whether he's gone to jail, look, I don't know your life, (laughs) whatever it is, those things should not impact your love because that is a divine instruction from the source of love. And we do have an obligation to fulfill it because the scripture says, in all the things you do, do it unto Ha'adon, which is the Lord, the Most High, His Son. So in all that we've been going through over here around these neck of the woods lately, and when I say we have been going through it, y'all, I really do mean that. And, you know, this is probably the most vulnerable that I've ever seen my husband Um, in like the three or so years that I have known him. And he's always been, you know, a very strong provider. He's always been very disciplined. And he's always been, you know, very clear that he has no intention at all for me to work unless I genuinely want to. And I'm just going to be honest with you. I'm going to say I really don't want to. (laughs) I have no intention to. Um, and the fact that I'm doing it now, um, because we, you know, we need it. I'm just gonna be real. Like we need the extra money. I can see that it bothers him, that it frustrates him and that it may be impacting, um, what he thinks I see in his masculinity. And this is how I take the time to show him that I still honor him, that I still respect him, even though he needs my help, right? Because at the end of the day, according to Genesis, we are supposed to be helpmates. So here's a few things that I try to do for my husband, even though he may not be doing what he was originally doing, or he can't do those things, or if he's in a dark place, or if he's having a weak moment. First of all, I don't stop praying for him. I pray for him. I pray for my husband. If I can't cook, if I can't clean, if I can't be intimate, intimate, child, not me losing my English. If I can't be intimate, if I can do any of those things, I'm going to pray. I can pray for him daily. And you should be praying for your husband daily. The second thing that I do is I don't stop doing what I've been doing. Now, this is a widespread problem since the beginning of time with all women of all races, creeds, and backgrounds. When your man isn't doing what he's supposed to do, you know what you do. You start looking at your bargaining chips. You you take the cooking off the table and you take the cookie off the table. <laughs> and that's not scriptural. The scripture says that The husband ought to give due benevolence to the wife and the wife ought to give due benevolence unto the husband unless they're sick or they have come together for a fasting and agreed for a set amount of time. Sex is not supposed to be a bargaining chip at all, period. 
And I want us to internalize the fact that we as women are most turned on and um, desire desirous of sex when we have that emotional connection, when we are emotionally stimulated and we feel emotionally safe. However, men feel that desire to be emotional, to give that emotional vulnerability through sex. And when you withhold sex, especially during a dark time in his life, you are starving your husband emotionally. It's not just a matter of, you know, him getting his rocks off. Excuse my vulgarity. It's his heart. It's a labor of love. And my husband reminds me all the time, sex is like medicine. And it should not be weaponized. And your husband is not going to forget that when he couldn't take care of you or when you were angry with him and you didn't forgive him, whatever happened, that you decided to stop having sex with him. That would be similar to, and I've said this on the blog as well, if he was mad at you or angry with you for doing something or not doing your job, he just quit his job. He stopped providing for you. He said, you know what? Take care of yourself. You can do this on your own. You wouldn't forget that. And you would be less likely to do things for him in the future, even if he returned to taking care of you. Because now it's unpredictable. It's unstable. You don't know if it's going to happen again or not. Don't take it off the table and don't stop doing all the lovely, wonderful, blessed things that you have been doing for your husband around your house, for your children, for his home, for his business, just because he's falling short. Because at the end of the day, you're one body. And this also applies to our people as a whole, our kingdom. We need to continue to do our part. And step up where someone else may have stepped back. And that's just the truth. The Most High wants to know what you did on the day of reckoning, on the day of judgment, on doomsday, when you're before the throne, when you're not going to have anyone to plead your case. And the Most High already knows the answers, but he's going to still ask you anyway. So why didn't you do what I told you to do in this particular situation? There ain't going to be no, well, he did this and she said that. No, <laughs> it's going to be, yeah, I messed up. I don't have an excuse. You said to do it and I didn't do it. I was in direct disobedience to you at the cost of my soul. Thankfully, the Most High is merciful. And I pray that whatever you're going through doesn't get that bad to where you abandon all of the Most High's ordinances. But the truth of the matter is that we shouldn't stop doing the things that are lovely and righteous and merciful. 
based on any external factors. The third thing that I do to show my husband that I still honor him and I still respect him and I still think highly of him, I get dressed. I get cute. Okay? Even if we ain't got no food in the fridge, even if we ain't got no money, child, even if the lights are about to be cut off, I'm going to get cute for my man. That's just it. I'm going to get cute. And not even just get cute for him, but, you know, when you look good, you feel good. That's just it. And I want to attract <laughs> the best experiences in my home and in my marriage. And I see that when I take the time to not even just get dressed, but to maintain. And this is going to look different for every woman because every husband has, you know, their preferences and everybody has their own different beliefs. But when I take the time to do my nails or pluck my eyebrows or shave or you know, moisturize my skin. Well, whatever it is that, you know, you like to do as a wife, don't stop taking care of yourself. Don't stop loving yourself and don't stop providing a beautiful, soft, feminine presentation just because you feel like it's not being appreciated or if you feel like he doesn't deserve it. We don't do what we do because people deserve it. We do what we do because we're supposed to do it. That is what mercy is. That is what real love is. The fourth thing that I do to show my husband that I still love him, that I still respect him, that I still think highly of him, even in his vulnerability, is I tell him. I communicate it to him. I assure him that he's not alone, that I'm here with him, and that I understand that my job is to be his helper so he shouldn't feel ashamed when he needs help. And that he shouldn't feel like he needs to turn to somebody else or that he isn't able to tell me when he can't do something on his own. And I remind him that a two-chord strand is not easily broken. Remind your husband. You think he can read your mind. You think he might be assuming that, oh, you know, she's not going to leave me or... You know, she really cares about me and she still respect me. No. They need to hear it also. The power of life and death is in the tongue. We should be continually speaking life and love into our husbands. Always and nothing but. Remind your husband. Hey, I know that you had a moment. I know that you failed. I know that you made a mistake, but I also know that you're repentful of it, that, you know, it really brought you to a little spiritual place, a place that you don't want to be in. And I recognize how it's affecting you. And I just want you to know that I love you. I'm not angry towards you. I'm not upset about it. And I've been praying about how I can help you. I've been praying about, you know, whatever, you know, how this is going to look when the Most High delivers us. And I want you to know that I'm here for you. You can ask me to do anything. And this leads me to the next thing that I do to show my husband that I still love him. I still respect him. And I still think highly of him, even in his vulnerability. I take initiative. Take the initiative. That is the main thing we should be seeing 
from the proverbial woman in Proverbs chapter 31 or chapter 30. Child, don't quote me. Is it it's Proverbs? <laughs> it's Proverbs chapter 30. Proverbs, no, it's Proverbs 31. Oh my gosh. Not me trying to have an Israelite brand and not know the Proverbs 31 woman. Everybody want to be a Proverbs 31 woman. This woman takes initiative. 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 Proverbs chapter 31, verse 10. Who can find a virtuous and capable wife? She is more precious than rubies. Her husband can trust her and she will greatly enrich his life. She brings him good, not harm, all the days of her life. She finds wool and flax and busily spends it. She is like a merchant ship bringing her food from afar. She gets up before dawn to prepare breakfast for her household and plan the day's work for her servant girls. She goes to inspect a field and buys it. With her earnings, she plants a vineyard. She is energetic and strong, a hard worker. She makes sure her dealings are profitable. Her lamp burns late into the night. Her hands are busy spinning thread, her fingers twisting fiber. She extends a helping hand to the poor and opens her arms to the needy. She has no fear of winter for her household, and everyone has warm clothes. She makes her own bedspreads. She dresses in fine linen and purple gowns. Her husband is well known at the city gates where he sits with the other civic leaders. She makes belted linen garments and sashes to sell to the mar merchants. She is clothed with strength and dignity, and she laughs without fear of the future. When she speaks, her words are wise, and she gives instructions with kindness. She carefully watches everything in her household and suffers nothing from laziness. Her children stand and bless her. Her husband praises her. There are many virtuous and capable women in the world, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceptive and beauty does not last. But a woman who fears Yahuwah will be greatly praised. Reward her for all she has done and let her deeds publicly declare her praise. There is so much that I could say about this wonderful proverbial wife. But in all that this woman does, nobody has to tell her to do it. Nobody has to tell her to do it. And I came across a verse in Proverbs chapter 22, I believe, when I was doing Bible study yesterday that says, a wise person perceives danger and takes precaution. But a fool proceeds and pays with his life. Now, I'm definitely paraphrasing. And I'm going to try to find the scripture. But as wives, we should have mind on that. And we should be taking initiative to help our husbands. A wise person will see danger and take precaution. Where can you take initiative in your home? Can you do better meal planning? Can you do better budgeting? Can you do better um, shopping of clothes? The Proverbs 31 woman shows us everything that we should be taking initiative in within our homes, for our families, 
bringing good and not harm. It really starts right there. Verse 12, she brings him good, not harm, all the days of her life. If you have your mind set on bringing your husband good and not harm every single day, you're going to notice where you can take initiative. You're going to notice those areas that need work and that need help. You're going to be able to spot where harm is imminent. And you're going to be the one to troubleshoot it and to reroute it so that darkness and unfruitfulness is not manifest in your home. Bring him good. This is an intentional thing. This is not just something that happens. And when your husband is having a moment of vulnerability, let's say, you know, he's an alcoholic or whatever it is that you are going through. You should be intentional about bringing him good and not just saying, you know what, well, whatever happens to him happens and the most high rebuke him. Well, that's, that's his life. And that's no, we should be intentional to bring our husband's good and nothing less all the days of his life. Other areas where we can be intentional, whether Proverbs 31 woman is intentional. The second thing <laughs> after bringing him good, money. Verse 13, she finds wool and flax and busily spins it. She is like a merchant ship bringing her food from afar. She is like a merchant's ship bringing her food from afar. She's working with her hands. She's making it happen. She's doing whatever she has to do. She's even getting up before the sun rises to prepare breakfast. Now, disclaimer. This chapter is an outline of what a wise wife does and what she looks like. But we all fall short of the glory of Yahuwah. That's just the truth. And if you can't do all these things, or you haven't been doing all these things, or you don't know how to sew, or you don't know how to make bread from scratch, look, I don't have a sewing machine. And the only bread I know how to make from scratch is unleavened bread, okay? So shout out to all the bread makers. <laughs> shout out to all the hollow makers. If you know how to make bread from scratch, thank the most high for you. If you don't know how to do these things, that's okay. We need to be taking initiative. In any way that we can bring good to our husbands, we need to be taking that initiative to do it. The scripture says, um, him who knows to do a good thing and does it not, to him it is sin. It absolutely is sin. It's, it's clear cut. It's plain and simple. If you know a good thing and you don't do it, vanity, sin, destruction. And like I always say, maybe not here, but in real life, in this life, you're either going to build or destroy. If you're not intentionally and actively building something, there's something that's being destroyed by you. Something that's being torn down by you or something that's just plain and simple being neglected by you. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 16 through 18. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. 
Always be joyful. Never stop praying. Be thankful in all circumstances. For this is Yahuwah's will for you who belong to Hamashiach, Yahusha. Always be joyful. Never stop praying. Be thankful in what? All circumstances. Now repeat after me. Oh, Sister Asha. Yes, one more time. All circumstances. One more time. All circumstances. We should be thankful. We should be joyful. And we should never stop praying. Because this is Yahuwah's will for you who say you belong to Hamashiach Yahusha. This is how we stay in his presence. This is how we continue to have mind on him. This is how we stay in good spirits. Enough to where we actually feel like we can do his will. That we can obey. That we can do good things. That we can be good. That we can be fruitful. I think that that's all that I have to say to you today. Because <laughs> I don't want the podcast to drag on be an hour long. Um, but once again, I really thank you for praying for me and just lifting up my home. The Most High is doing some wonderful, splendid things. Um, and my prayer request, if you've made it to the end of this episode, is for um, prayers for this podcast and for the blog as well. Um, because to be honest, I'd rather not have to monetize my skills elsewhere. I would rather be monetizing and putting all of my efforts into the blog because you know I, I genuinely just don't want to work for other people i don't i don't i don't know I, the feminists would call me lazy <laughs> some some people i know personally would call me lazy i don't want to work for other people i want to be a full-time homemaker and i know if you're listening to this you probably do too and there is absolutely nothing wrong with that i want my husband to be my employer i want the most high to be my employer i don't want to have to answer to anybody else that's just what it is. I'm going to see to it that that happens. And that's my prayer for me. I'm praying that that's your prayer for me. And if you want me to pray that prayer for you also, I definitely will. I'll just send a request in the most high's will. I'm going to put it on my to-do list. And um, gosh, I just feel so bad because I love this podcast so much. And you probably can't tell because I haven't been here with you updating it, but I'm doing my best to manage everything that I have going on and also show up um, because I really love fellowshipping with you sisters. And um, I know I said in my last email that, what did I say in my last email? Gosh, sister Asha. I said in my last email that this month, we would be having guests on the podcast. But to be honest, if the sister, because of my terrible correspondence and just my, my just, ugh, I just been all over the place. If she doesn't want to do it now, I definitely don't blame her. I still want to work with you, sis, if you're listening to this, please. <laughs> and if any of you other sisters have some valuable tips or testimony or even recipes or anything that you want to share through this podcast or through the Hebrew housewife blog, or even just being featured on my Instagram account, girl, just reach out to me. I promise I don't bite. I know I wear the niqab, but I'm a human being just like you. I hope that you can see that through this podcast. Just talk to me. I talk back. I genuinely do. And I want to hear from you. Um, also I'm accepting guest posts. 
So if you'd like to submit your guest post, please do. Please do. And again, I said this in my um, bonus episode, but I can't do this by myself. You know, no man is an island and I need my sisters. It's time for y'all to jump on board. I just can't do this by myself. And if the Most High has given you something to say, I just want you to say it. And you don't have to worry about the presentation. You don't have to worry about the word count and all that. We'll handle that. Get the word out. Say what you need to say, your recipe, whatever it is. May the Most High be with us. That is all for today's episode of Watered Womanhood. I hope you've been watered. Thank you so much for tuning in today. If you enjoyed today's episode, consider making a small contribution towards the sustainability and production of the only biblical femininity podcast for Israelite women. $1, $5, whatever y'all puts on your heart, all donations make a difference. And you can use the link in the description to get started. Be sure to follow, favorite, and leave a review wherever you're listening to make this podcast even more visible to other Israelites. Remember that you can stay up to date and join us for some interesting dialogues at thehebrewhousewife.com. And go ahead and join my newsletter for some members-only perks. And with the peace of God rule in your hearts, to the which also ye are called in one body, and be ye thankful. Colossians chapter 3 verse 15. Until next time, Shabbat Shalomah.